0: In the sense that you notice you have a sheet of paper in front of you which is a little chant that we, one of the many chants that we do in our monasteries, it's a compassion chant which shows, we had a hard time to choose which one, we finally chose a little one, a small one because we knew we were um, limited by time so um, we don't have to do it now, we could do it now I suppose that could set you in a good, good, good place in yourself to, to meditate so let's do it now it's very very simple you've noticed you have dots on words either below the words or above the word and this are what we call half-toned there is a home note any musician here? There's a home note, which is like, let's say, uh, and then uh, 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 so it's very simple. It's really three notes. You can't really go terribly wrong. So the, the, the dot underneath is the half tone down, and the dot above is half tone up, and when there are no dots, dots then that means it's a home note. Okay, so what I do the simplest way to do it. I noticed is that I, I do it once and then repeat. I repeat with you. You repeat and I do it. To, we do it together. That seems to work quite well. Shall we do that? Okay. So, may I abide in well-being? May I abide in well-being? In freedom from affliction. In freedom from affliction, in freedom from hostility, in freedom from hostility, in freedom from ill will, in freedom from ill will, in freedom from anxiety, in freedom from anxiety. And may I maintain well-being in myself And may I maintain well-being in myself May everyone abide in well-being May everyone abide in well-being In freedom from hostility In freedom from hostility In freedom from ill will In freedom from ill will In freedom from anxiety In freedom from anxiety anxiety. And may they maintain well-being in themselves and may well being in themselves May everyone sorry, hang on where we are May all beings be released from all suffering May all beings be released from all suffering. And may they not be parted from the good fortune they have attained And may they not be parted from the good fortune they have attained When they act upon intention When they act upon intention All beings are the owners of their action, all beings are the owner of their action, and inherit its results, and inherit its results, their future is born from subtraction, their future is born from subtraction companion to subtraction companion to subtraction and its results will be their home and its results will be their home all actions with intention all actions with intention, be the skillful or harmful,
1: be the skillful
0: or harmful of such acts, they will be the S. Of such acts, they will be the S. Okay, you get a sense of the attitude you're supposed to have in your practice now. Okay. <laughs> friendliness from the beginning to the end towards yourself, towards others and towards your body as you practice so let's sit comfortably and make sure your back is upright and your shoulders are relaxed, your hands are resting on top of the other or just on your knees, whatever is comfortable for you and Spend the next minute or so just checking how your face is feeling. You can even smile. I encourage people to smile a little bit. It doesn't hurt, you don't harm anybody. You want the integrity, the sense of integrity, it won't be too shattered. Just have to do it with humor. Even if you feel really grumpy and miserable and depressed and angry and frustrated, you can still have a little smile and just, just for fun. And just notice, just, just relaxing the face has already an effect just on the whole nervous system. Your body is already a little bit different just by smiling. You can spend a whole day just looking miserable, even no- noticing it. So check between the eyebrows how you're feeling, around the eyes, where we hold a lot of tension. Around the mouth, the corner of your mouth, the jaws. the space you are sitting in remember you're not a kind of entity sort of drop from the sky here on your own you're surrounded by a kind of atmosphere many people are sitting with you just incorporate this in your awareness of the present moment so you're not alone you have energy of other people with you and for the next few minutes just scan your body, just slowly sweep your body with awareness with attention, mindfulness noticing any tension, any tingling, pressure, pain so you're very sensitive to what's going on now you're not cut off, you're not trying to push away anything You're very, very aware of the breath, body breathing. And using this chant we've done at the beginning, just using that reminder. It's like a reminder of the way to approach one's meditation with kindness. Your mind may may not be free from anxiety, from ill will, from... um, negativity from whatever from affliction from suffering but right now you just let your heart really relax and in this moment remember there's nothing to contend with except yourself there's no no one around everyone is here with a spirit of friendliness and benevolence and kindness I'm sure so we can just abide within that spirit of friendliness towards oneself towards the body or we scan the sensation that we, we notice any pain, tension, we can just relax and breathe through it with, kind, with, a, with kindliness with, with compassion, with friendliness, becoming friendly with everything in ourselves even the unfriendly bits things we dislike about ourselves and our body is often a target for our dislike we drag it around like an old piece of furniture so now you give it attention to the life that is manifesting through it with gentleness with total acceptance there's no nothing you have to become right now, just a friendly feeling throughout in the heart, generated from the heart, even, as I said, to anything that doesn't appear very friendly. Notice, maybe you feel some pain and there's an immediate reaction wanting to go away from the pain you're friendly to that desire to run away from pain you're friendly towards that feeling that tendency you may be worried about something and I've asked you to scan the body and so you're feeling a state of conflict should I go on worrying or should I scan the body you're just friendly to that uncertain feeling of uncertainty not knowing maybe distracted by the by the concerns of your mind letting the attention rest and be wide open you don't need to worry about what I say just listen to it just a sound and the if you need to if they are useful, it's fine. If they're not useful, just listen to it. just sound, and if they're useful, listen to it also just like sound at like a sound, using the body to keep resting your mind, calming the mind, bringing steadiness and calm to the, to the mind to your emotions, your feelings, your moods, your, your thought. body is a very good friend when you know how to use it properly not through aerobic only but also through meditation calming the mind, calming the body letting go of all tension I think of the desire to get rid of things that we don't like just acknowledging, giving it space and resting so you you, you gently go from the top of your head down to your feet as if you had eternity in front of you there's no rush even if it is only a five minute period, it's still the sense that you have all the time in the world to do this no pressure, it's your time finish scanning the body you can just rest in the whole experience of breathing the body breathing you can focus on the beginning or the end or the whole experience of breaths or the breath breathing in and breathing out breathing in breathing out focusing on the out and the time often we shorten our, our, our out-breaths we tend to shorten it through tension and being hurried through habits so notice the out and notice that moment when you want to breathe in before you have really truly let go of the breath <coughs> just notice that how How quickly we want to breathe in before we can breathe out. Now as you are doing this practice I encourage you to use every sensory impingement including noise to be totally part of your practice otherwise you'll end up neurotic. (laughs) Because there's plenty of noise around so Notice, you know, part of your breathing is also your breathing experience is also the sound of the creaking floor people moving about It's not an interference in your practice right now. It's part and parcel of your meditation And you relax. You open yourself to everything. Not, you don't need to push anything. You don't need to get rid of anything. You're just completely open and accepting whatever comes into your field of consciousness. Whether it's a car outside, whether it's an uneven breath, whether it's a pain that comes along as you're breathing in or out, everything is included in our practice of meditation right now. Any thoughts, any mood, any memories, any, anything that you're aware right now is included in your practice. It's not a hindrance or something extra. It's part of your meditation. So you can begin to relax and be at peace with whatever you're experiencing right now. the sound of a plane the sound of my voice whatever it is you keep relaxing into the present moment as it is with a spirit of friendliness kindness You can change your posture if you need to But you do it discreetly and quietly It's alright to move as long as you are discreet and respectful of others So stretch your legs, relax a little bit, move <coughs> your body. And um, you're going to hear a little <coughs> chant, a little chant which is a request. We, In our tradition we can't actually teach unless we're invited to do so. So that keeps our life quite peaceful in a way. <laughs> we, we don't get into trouble in other words. <laughs> what well, we do but <laughs> like everybody else but at least <laughs> we don't interfere with people's <laughs> wishes Even if they don't want to be here they can go <laughs> so um, Jill and Christy Jill has been hosting me since I came here and uh, Christy is her daughter we just came down for the weekend and yesterday we had a, a, a major rehearsal of how to request those um, Talks in Pali so you'll hear it in Pali maybe i tell you a little bit of the story behind it when the Buddha was after his enlightenment the Buddha realized that he had realized something so profound that he didn't think that the world being so enmeshed in darkness, greed, hatred and delusion would ever understand what he had discovered so he nearly didn't teach but from high up in, in the heavens, God, the, the God Sahampati, you see you have gods in, in Buddhism too, Mini. God Sahampati realized that the Buddha was um, uh, maybe planning not to share his enlightenment with other beings. And as quickly as you can flex and bend a and, and, uh, uh, forearm, this is a kind of an expression you, you hear throughout the suttas. When they want to express speed, light like lightning speed, they say as as quickly as you can bend and flex an, uh, a forearm. Um, Brahmā Sahampati, the god Sahampati, came and spoke to the Buddha. Of course, you know, we don't know how this happened, but anyway, he communicated with the Buddha and said, "Please, please, there are those who have little dust in their eyes. Please, out of compassion, please teach them." teach those who have little dust in their eyes. So <coughs> here we are. We have the teaching, thanks to the God, Sahampati. So we should be really grateful to him. And this is what Jill and Christy are going to request. This little um, passage that God, Sahampati, pronounced uh, to the Buddha in front, in, in front of the Buddha has been kept through 2,500 years and it's still with us today, and it's been used as we're requesting a Dhamma talk. So, it's, some of you, it's probably hocus pocus, but it has a real meaning. It's symbol, it's, it's, we, it's part of our discipline, actually, that we don't we cannot teach unless we're invited. Well, sometimes I don't have to wait for the Pali formula to be chanted to start, because I'm in a place where I know I've been invited to say something. So but Jill and, and Christy were interested in actually knowing the, 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 the traditional way of doing it. So this is what they're going to do now. Brahmachaloka dipati sahampati katanja di varamaya chata santida satabaja ka chatika. That's That's very good so sit down comfortably and and use this time to continue to meditate the emptier your mind will be the better mm-hmm. remember the story of the if the the glass is full you can't Put anything else in it. So, if you have too many ideas or expectations or whatever, even how however good they are, that might not you might not be able to hear what is being said. So you can just continue this practice of mindfulness as you're hearing. And in fact, the more you empty, the more I will be able to say, "I'm dependent on you, really." <laughs> not. So we don't prepare our talks, we we reflect on what we're going to say, but often it's spontaneous, uh, it comes spontaneously. So um, I have no idea what I'm going to say, but it rarely fails me. I can speak for two hours without any problem. So even when I feel I have nothing to say, somehow... So today we, we started this last session with a chant on compassion. It's, um, a compassion is, a, is very important in the Buddhist tradition. In fact, if you look at the first precepts among the five precepts that a lay, it, a lay Buddhist practitioner commits himself or herself to, is the uh, first one is to, to refrain from Uh, harming any living beings uh, which is another way of expressing compassion not harming not um, killing not um, committing any act by body, speech and mind that would um, create suffering for other people of course sometimes we forget ourselves don't we? we think about um, not harming maybe the people in Africa or Afghanistan and uh, all, we we look around the world and think of all the people we could help and could uh, alleviate, where we could alleviate suffering, where we could um, perhaps help uh, to um, uh, release um, suffering, you know, in other people, in a very distant part of the world sometimes we have a really deep heart opening when we see children on television perhaps suffering in a famine a ridden area or um, or some maybe women who are being abused in, in, in certain countries or or even in, you know in the west or but often we we are distracted we we don't actually realize that the one who is suffering most is is who it's me. <laughs> is me uh, is suffering but not knowing that there is that kind of aching in the heart that kind of yearning for peace, profound peace and uh, most of our tools to find peace and uh, some kind of uh, relief from our know, everyday um, dissatisfaction or discontent is often end up often in, in, in searching, looking for some more means to alleviate this um, discontent And we are part of a society which breeds discontent actually. Not only breeds it, but encourages it. You're supposed to be discontent to to continue being a good consumer, don't you? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you were suddenly satisfied with what you've got, I mean, society would go bankrupt. (laughs) You know, so um, not only it it doesn't encourage you to Look at the pain of discontent, but it it encourages you to believe that there is pleasure in being discontent and getting something other than what you've got now. Whether it's a new bed, new TV, a new a new partner, or a new uh, house or a new job, whatever it's that's, it's endemic. You know, we have hospitals and research. Um, you know, uh, incredible amount of researches, research going on to find out how to cure illnesses, how to, um, you know, um, fight certain um, microbes and how to find cures for so many uh, diseases that are um, part of our um, everyday life. Yet, uh, the greatest disease the real, the source of many of our problems is very little, very little addressed. If you noticed, there, ha- there is not yet uh, uh, an institution or um, uh, that is um, really researching deeply into the disease of the mind, you know, the real disease of the mind, not the disease of the mind of a psychotic or or, or a, um, uh, a mind that has gone crazy, but the disease of the mind of an ordinary human being, like you and me, a human being. We think we are okay, don't we? Most of the time we're reminded we're fine. As long as we keep buying, we're okay. <laughs> as long as we keep biting the bait of um, you know, society's lures, we, 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 are, we are recognized as perfectly functioning in society, perfectly functional. You know. It's only when you start looking within your own mind, within yourself, or maybe at a time of crisis in your life that suddenly you feel failed by your society or you feel failed by your schools or your parents or your family or your husband or your wife that suddenly that, that sense of uh, being let down Maybe uh, will suddenly redirect your attention. In a, you know. Instead of keeping, look, keeping one's gaze looking outward, outward, outwards, you will perhaps how you'll be forced to look in a different direction. And this is what meditation is addressing: this, how to direct one's attention. Properly, skillfully, in a, in the right direction, so that um, we can really look into that general that general sense of discontent. If any of you have find those moments of profound peace, profound sense of wholeness, being really one with things, being one with your environment, one in a relationship, one the sense of being totally at peace. Have you ever investigated what this sense of peace is? What is it? What is the result? What is the cause, sorry, of this sense of peace? What is it that actually brought about that deep profound sense of oneness? You know. Have you ever questioned this? <clears throat> it's often we have stopped seeking. We stop looking for something. When seeking, wanting has stopped in our mind, we are at peace. So you can see how far the, the perfect human being in this materialistic society is from <laughs> the perfect peaceful being. <laughs> How far it is from that model, because as, as a social creature of part of a um, consumer society, your health, the, your, your, your your health is seen in wanting. As long as you want, you're okay. You're healthy. And this is so much um, with part of our um, everyday. Uh, it, it's reinforced constantly in ourselves, and it's so much, is it's being done so frequently that we don't even have a chance to have to find some space to question that, to challenge that assumption that if wanting is a way to peace, wanting is a way to happiness. There is something in that wanting which is very energetic. As you notice, if you want something, you feel alive. It pulls you, it, it, it leads you somewhere. It, it, you feel you are driven by desire. You know, if you don't want anything, there's a kind of deadened feeling. We, we, we're not very good at living with not wanting. Most of our energy comes from acting on this wanting, searching, looking, seeking. Very rarely do we find peace without doing this. And so this is a completely new learning for us to really investigate a completely new realm of values. Because it is true, in actuality, if there is no connection with that deeper uh, dharma and insight into the mind, Uh, it is true that unless you want you will feel alive I think we can all agree to that you know often uh, maybe not you in this room but you could say the rest of the world is is, um, being kept alive by this uh, unfulfilled constant feeling of being unfulfilled at some level you know whether it is in our work in our family in our relationships in our um, in our profession or in, our, in ourselves, sense of being full, not fulfilled, and how do we cope with that? Just that very simple of not being fulfilled. We think that to cope with this unfulfilled feeling is to find something that's going to fill the gap, fill the hole, fill the, 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 the maybe an, an abyss in front of us the sense of being unfulfilled is so huge that we've you know, we, we, it, it seems like a gaping, bottomless pit hole and so we go about most of the time in our life trying to feel this sense of emptiness you know, that that because again this feeling of desire and wanting goes hand in hand with this assumption that I I am a person, a real person, a real me, who is always um wanting something. And this assumption is rarely again investigated to see whether there is any foundation, any reality in this view view of the of, of, of myself and others. You know. So as long as we consider ourselves as... Um, um, and view ourselves as a, a, a personality only, as this conditioned mind and body, as my thoughts, as my feelings, as what I consider very personal, very much mine, we feel separate from the, Western, from the world, we feel separate from each other. You know. We are, uh, in a way, um, we are experiencing the, the, our limitations, the limitations of mind and body. Mind and body are always give you this, the impression that you're separate. You, This body is separate from this body and this body is separate from the body behind and Jill is separate from Christy. She's not in the same body. So they give you this impression that you're separate. I think physically we can easily um, see this clearly, don't we? We're all sitting next to each other separate, in our little separate pile of khandas, called body Khandas means heap for those who are not familiar with the Buddhist teaching heap and that's, that's how the Buddha defines a human being it's a heap of form and matter and then it's it's a little heap of uh feelings and sensations and then the little heap of perceptions and memories and a heap of uh mental constructs thoughts and then another heap called consciousness the, sense, the sixth sense consciousness and the consciousness is has six sense doors there's a platform of consciousness that has six ways of connecting to the sensory world, the eyes, the nose, body, tongue and a mind. Interestingly enough that the mind is a sense in Buddhism, which is an extraordinary step, isn't it? To suddenly see that uh, mental consciousness or mind consciousness is only a sense experience. It's not a soul, it's not something you know, everlasting, <coughs> it's another sense. And perhaps this is where we have the chance to, you know, to experience the greatest freedom. Because what is most binding for us is really our, the world that we have created through our thoughts, perceptions, feelings, sensations. And in the Buddha says something which we can all relate to, feeling, perception and consciousness are Totally conjoined they 're not separated we can't separate them when one appears the other appears you don 't have consciousness without feeling without perception so all this is our world feeling perception and sensory consciousness is all they're all sort of playing on each other and building what we call the world our world the world I see that that the world that uh, is um, uh, the that, 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 the sort of screen, that screen, what I see outside, externally. So often we have, the Buddha said, unless you, are, unless you awaken to your world, then you will never be free. You'll never be able to go out of the limitations of your conditioned mind. You will never be able to um, really go beyond that. And there's nothing wrong with not wanting to go beyond that. But it's um, that, that edge of discontent that we all experience is not a bad thing. It's not an unhealthy feeling. It's a very healthy one when it's seen from the perspective of Dhamma. When you suddenly see that that moment of discontent is actually uh, just a, a symptom of your heart yearning for freedom. Now, whenever you feel discontent, instead of thinking, "Oh my God, what has happened to me? It's terrible. I'm in a complete wreck. I'm just, you know, a mess. I need to go to the therapist quickly. I need to do something. I need to get something. I need to. I need." Instead of that, you can actually stay at home and realize that that moment of discontent is just a wonderful thing. It's just a moment of. Showing you your limitations it 's showing you the t- moment where there is uh, you 're hitting the walls, so to speak, of your uh, condition world, and something in you doesn 't want to go beyond that, and that 's a discontent at some level. the shadows of discontent is like at some level, the discontent will create another wall, it will create another desire for you to get out of it, okay. So you have a choice, either you can create another wall or thicken the wall, just thicken them a bit. You know, the more you act on your desire, the more it will thicken the walls of your conditioned self. Or you can let it go, and that you are thinning the walls. So as the more you let go, the more you, you in a way, you're kind of hacking away at that kind of hard self that we have to live with so often. So letting go is not just a nice metaphor for, you know, a political metaphor for freedom and bliss and you know, whatever it is. It's a very practical thing. It's really uh, saying to you, whenever you let go, you are freeing yourself. Whenever you are not clinging, holding, acting on that energy of desire, which is restless, isn't it? It's so restless. Notice whenever you want something, it's... So, You know, the Buddha did not say you should not have any desire. He never said you should kill your desires. He never taught that you should start with being totally free from desires. The reason why he taught is because we had that we are living with that energy, that restless energy of wanting all the time, and we don't know how to fulfill it. So out of compassion he taught a particular teaching that is allowing us to investigate our realm of reality what we consider real and which might not be so solid and so real you know. so just to come back to um, you know, what we think we are to come back to the assumption that we are a permanent conditioned entity that will just be repeating its own action Again and again for eternity, without any, um, you know, we, we, we um, without any break, without you know, relief from that. He taught a path of investigation. You know. But this, this investigation, this the, the faculty to investigate the realm of our mind and body cannot really take place very deeply unless we have already a certain amount of comfort in ourselves a certain amount of peace a certain amount of ease you know unless you wouldn't be able to sit for very long here if there was already not a certain degree of peace within yourself you know ask somebody who is you know a criminal full of remorse and regret and really You know, maybe a lot of anger and a lot of frustration and a lot of um, ill will in the heart, maybe. You know, to sit for more than five minutes, they can't. Or somebody who has maybe, uh, unfortunately, had a life, you know, created a lot of unskillful karma, unskillful activity in their life, which has filled them with a lot of remorse and regret. They have a very hard time to sit with themselves. This is the result, this is the, the, the result, the karmic result, you could say, of a, an, a life which hasn't been investigated properly. So you can, so as to know for yourself from, from your own experience, you can know what is truly helpful and useful and a source of happiness, a cause for happiness in your life or a cause for misery. Pretty simple, isn't it? Now, to go back to the you know, a, 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 certainly a foundation for investigation is the ability to be still for a while. It's the, the mind is often compared to a, a pond or a lake, You know, and if the lake is constantly stirred up, constantly agitated by whatever elements, whether it's a wind or whether it's boats crossing it or whether it's people paddling in it or whatever it is, when it is stirred up, uh, whatever is at the bottom, or just just the, the amount of waves it creates, it's very difficult to see very deeply. You can't actually go and look at the bottom of the sea unless it's quiet and, and, and still. So in the same way the mind is compared to, uh, uh, it can be an agitated lake or it can be a still one. And one of the conditions to be able to investigate at first, to really start one's investigation, is to be able to sit still, to be quiet, to be still, to listen. You know. So this is the first step in meditation, is that uh, to learn to quiet down. Unless you do this, you will always be in, in an agitated state, unable to see what's what. You, know, you won't be able to see truly how you're feeling you know how you are affected by things how you are affecting other people how you are you know how your habits whether they are you know bringing you happiness or not whether they are really leading you to uh, being content or not and so on mm-hmm. so um, when we are we have established in our meditation the way we calm the mind down is just focusing just bringing one's attention on a on on an object which is calming <clears throat> you know sometimes you can just meditate on something very unpersonal, like a candle you know just focus your attention you don't need to concentrate heavily on the candle and it can be the breath you don't need to focus heavily on the breath either just feeling the rhythm of your breathing you know in your everyday life that doesn't cost a lot of money does it pretty inexpensive and available. So you have no excuse really. i have say no justification for not learning how to calm your mind down so you can see more clearly. There's no clarity of mind as long as there is agitation, turbulence, um, stormy seas within yourselves. As long as you have that kind of uh, mind you will never see anything clearly. You will never be able to come to the point of deeper insight when the mind is truly transformed for good. It's not just a thought or something you carry around. You have to go back into the books to actually look at them and verify whether this is right or wrong. You know when the point of insight is when you actually know beyond doubt what is truly skillful and not. And it doesn't mean that you don't fail. <laughs> it doesn't mean the habits don't take over and you go back right into the same old rut. But that is exactly why we have a Buddhist teaching, is actually to get, out, to get us out of the ruts. <laughs> when everything goes well, when everything goes well, we, you know, we can dispense with the teaching. But of course, often we do, even when they don't go well. We're so confident in ourselves in thinking that we've got it now, <laughs> that we can easily forget and be forgetful of, what, of the medicine that we need to take daily. Because the Buddhist teaching is a medicine, it's is a medication. The Buddha was often compared to a, the phys, a physician, physician of the mind, of the heart. So, um, investigation, to go back to this, um, what I was talking about earlier, is um, you know, how do we do this? first first of all as i said there is a, it requires a certain degree of peacefulness and quiet eventually as you get better at it you can you don't need a physical skillfulness you don't need to have special conditions anything will be fine you know any condition will be fine in the middle of the most um, you know outrageous situation you can you can find a stillness there the still point eyes of the storm, there still. But at first, and we tend to be arrogant and conceited, have you noticed? We think we only need the ultimate teaching, really. we don't need the practice, that's for really the beginners, not me. But I can assure you, I have done, I've been practicing for many, many years and I'm really glad to keep considering myself a complete beginner because as far as my ego goes, it doesn't know a thing. You know? It's always a beginner's. I'm always sitting at the beginner's feet, doesn't know anything, you know. So this is why practice is so important, because we tend to think, oh I don't need to, I don't need to practice because I've done this before, I've done this for ten years. Yes, maybe that's true. But What have you learned from it? Are you more at peace? Is your heart more content? Are you still angry? Are you still frightened? Are you still greedy? Do you still lust for things? Are you still jealous, envious? Well, it means there's a little bit more work to do then. (laughs) That is the case. You're not finished. Not the end of the path. So as you investigate, you know, you you notice that um, the Buddha has always, uh, as part of this um, uh, path of peacefulness, the Buddha has encouraged his disciples to follow certain guidelines, which some of you probably hate to be confined to these guidelines of uh, you know, and it's ethical guidelines. He talks about the five precepts, which is you know sometimes a talk in itself, but. Just in brief, as I said before on Monday, I was saying that the, the heart, at the heart of the precept, the lifeline right? The, 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 life the precepts. It's really compassion, not harming, not harming yourself, not harming your body, not harming your mind, not harming others. It's harmlessness. So um, if you can't bear the idea of not stealing, not lying, not having, not behaving, not not sexually. Uh, uh, not not, uh, acting on sexual misconduct not taking drugs and intoxicants if you can't bear having those guidelines that's too much to bear really that's too tight maybe for most of you maybe that's just too much at least you can reflect how can I be compassionate am I compassionate right now am I respectful of this person am I respectful of myself do I have really a kindness towards myself when I'm saying this do I really hurt myself or not Do I hurt other people? You you can reflect. This is the investigation part. This investigation can be done through thinking, wisely reflecting. There's a term for this in Pali. It's called yoniso manesikara, and that's part of many of our uh, painful mental state, whether it's greed, whether it's anger, whether it's restlessness and worry, are the result of, uh, of the absence of yonisomanasikara, a yoniso it becomes a yonisomanasikara. No, not not re- wisely reflecting. In the abhidhamma, in the Buddhist psychology, some of these um, states of mind, such as restlessness, worry, anxiety, and so on, are the result. They say it's caused by this lack of wise reflection. But you could say, really. In terms of experiencing practical, practicality, it's most of <laughs> everything is a result of unskillful reflection. You know. And, um, this investigation can also be done just in your everyday life, just looking at the six senses. You're just looking at something and notice what it brings into you. It brings wanting, not wanting, pleasure, pain, that it brings up um, tension, anger, frustration. It op- You can see the door is open to this mega field of, 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 of uh, questioning, investigation. And not just investigation, but discovery. It's a path of discovery. And it's so wonderful because in a way, you know, most of us have never been told this, haven't you? Have you? Never been told how to look at something, at a flower or person or whatever, and to see how we are affected by this, mindfully in the, in the space of stillness. you know. And the Buddha doesn't say, you should be, when you look at this, you should feel good. If you feel bad, then it's really not good practice. He doesn't say, oh, you should understand everything straight away. You should have full clarity straight away. You should not wanting, you should have no desire whatsoever for what you... If you want something, you should really not want that at all. He doesn 't say that the teaching doesn't is not discriminative or judgmental in that way. It just said, "Watch, observe how you're affected." So you, you, it, you are put in a complete, complete, uh, in the seat of complete responsibility for yourself. You are yourself responsible for yourself. nobody is. And sometimes we feel intimidated by other people. We want to look good, don't we? (coughs) But the the idea of, the, the, the goal of practice is not to look good. It's to understand what is good and what isn't. And sometimes you have to look really silly to understand what is silliness. You know, you have to look, you know, greedy You don't don't be frightened by your greed, or by your nonsensical mind, you know, you don't have to be anything, you don't have to become anything to investigate this mind. You can just use what you've got, so, you know, in a monastic tradition when you have a lot of limitation, a lot of constraint, a lot of restraint, then desire has very few doorways, really, to get fulfilled. Which is a very amazing experience because then you really know the intensity of desires. You have no, no doubt that that energy of desires is pretty blinding. You know, most of us, we are in that energy day, all day, all night. We, you know, we don't, we don't notice that energy of desire. But <coughs> when you let go, when you're not really. Um, acting on certain habits, for example. Ooh, there's a roaring tiger in us that will just pressurize you, you know, to the point where you have to act. And in our monastic tradition, monastic training, we learn to really befriend this tiger. Don't think monastics are just sitting peacefully on the cushion, blissed out. In nibbani kind of stays. No, we just dealing with a tiger all day long and night the roaring lion inside <laughs> <laughs> you know <coughs> don't think we get away from anything no we're not earning our money but we have plenty of time to deal with that uh, tiger that is always asking you to get, to earn more money <laughs> you know to that tiger that is always saying, no, 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 this is not good enough. I need more, I need more, I need more. I want more. And even when you have, even a multimillionaire guy or woman still wants more. I've met plenty of those. Even as a nun, I meet plenty of people, extremely wealthy. They're still miserable. Totally miserable. Still thinks, you know, they're just worrying about their money now. <laughs> terrible thing, isn't it? So, in your everyday life, you can investigate just, you know, the, the, the standard, the, the precept, the five precepts, is also not a field of, um, train, you know, a field of um, domination, trying to impose themselves on you and trying to kind of straighten you out. You know, turning you into this good guy that's going to be pleasing for everybody, loved by everybody. No. It's a field of investigation. When I say this, am I content? Am I happy or not? When I acted like that, when I lied, what is the result? You know, <clears throat> When I take things that are not given to me, when I steal things, when I steal other people's belongings. We don't have to go to court to that, but there's plenty of stealing going on in, in the house, is there not? You know, going into people's room, rummage around their little kind of private corners and so on. That's stealing taking what is not given. How does that feel? Do I feel good? Do I feel at peace with myself? When I take drugs just to annihilate myself because I just can't bear the reality of life anymore, does that feel good? When I just can't cope being actually myself, when I can't accept myself as I am, when I I can't actually conjure up in myself enough compassion, to be with this totally unsatisfactory being that is me, mm-hmm. I'm sure this is not an experience that's uncommon, is it? Seeing oneself as constantly unsatisfactory. you know, Even when people go out of the greatest university, out of the greatest establishment, still they are not good as the first one that went out of the same establishment. You can see how this kind of Life just breathes, unawakened life breathes discontent. It's a factory. It's a kind of discontent factory. You could say. Unawakened living is a factory of discontent. Constantly reminding you that you need something different. Yes, you do. Indeed, you do. You need to awaken. <laughs> but that, that, you don't never get the message from the awakened life. Unawakened life. Yeah. So one should be considered one very, very lucky, very fortunate to be here and to have realized that maybe the Dhamma is necessary in one's life to not bring further discontent or further state of unawakened state but to awaken to that possibility of change, to that possibility of transformation And the possibility of being fully alive with ourselves. Isn't it wonderful that you don't need to be different? You can just actually uh, bring, uh, you know, come to a place of peace and aliveness and transformation and love and compassion and uh, confidence and trust by just being content with yourselves. (laughs) Isn't it wonderful to realize that you are totally perfect and you just are the perfect material? for your field of investigation. You don't need to be any more, you know, somebody else, whoever you can conjure up in your mind, who you want to be right now. Think of somebody you want to be right now. You'd rather be right now than yourself. Think of it for a second. Close your eyes and think of it. Think of somebody you've been wanting to be for so long. Even if it's a super Nancy or And drop that and realize that you don't need to be that person. You can just be yourselves. Isn't it hard to be that, to, to come to that point? That old Joe is fine. Old Harry is fine. Old Mary is okay. She has everything she needs to be enlightened. So... Look at your practice as a field of experimentation. You know. And we are lazy, aren't we? We just desire so much more fun. Mm-hmm. When you desire an ice cream, or you know, a woman or a man, it's so much more fun. You get this juice, kind of, you know, the energy is kind of rising up, and oh, you know, you feel great. But to ar- to ar- arouse this kind of energy, you know, for enlightenment—that's another story. You know, to st- to be a- awake, this is not easy, is it? In fact, uh, you know, in one of the Dhammapada verses, I think, it's, it says, practice is like fighting a thousand men a thousand times over. So don't imagine that you are dealing with a, a little um, a teddy bear there, <laughs> you know. It's not a teddy bear or a little doll, you know, or a little sweetie inside. You're, you're dealing with a roaring tiger, who's going to pressurize you into being totally ignorant. Very often. So, and don't think monks and nuns have it at all. We're just, you know, just always fight, you know, not fighting. really not fight. but it is. If you go to in Thailand, they'll say, "Fight the kinesai, you know, "Fight the defilements." Fight, because the Thai people are so sensual and lazy, and so happy-go-lucky type, you know. They, nothing is a problem in, for Thai people. It's, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. For us, if you say fight, it's just completely counteractive. We have to use the word open, and relax, and receive, and be kind, and be, you know. Because you're so much, we're so much in kind of fighting mode all the time. So you have to keep reminding yourself, you know, practice to relax, to open, to be compassionate, to be kind, to be, you're okay, I'm okay, you're okay, (laughs) we're all (laughs) okay, you know. So you have all these plethora of books kind of coming out being published about being okay (laughs) in different forms and names and ideas and so on. Because feeling okay with oneself is the beginning. Unless you feel okay, that means peace. Unless you're at peace with yourself, you can't begin. You're still kind of struggling, fighting, shaping, reshaping, renaming, relabeling, you know, pushing to the side, pushing to the left, trying to lift stretch and lift, and whatever, you know reshape in some way or other, reshape your thoughts, reshape your feeling, reshape your body, reshape your hair, reshape your breasts, reshape your buttocks <laughs> with all this kind of you know all sorts of um, stratagems we have strategies stratagems, is that a word also? Strate- and strategies we have to keep this wanting going so um, I really leave you with um, encourage you to see your practice as a, as, a, as a very alive thing, it's not just kind of getting dead on one's cushion you know, like I just said, "Hens can still, you know, sit on their, cush- on their on their, on their, buttocks all day long and night, and they don't get enlightened." <laughs> hens, you know, do that. <laughs> we're not like hens, are we? We we have a bit more. We've been more going for us. You know, we're not here just to kind of suppress everything. You know, uh, especially in your daily life, you can't do much of that. You know, concentration practice, uh, sort of uh, deep concentration practice. You, you know, and, and sometimes you don't do deep concentration practice but there's a tendency to want to shut down everything you know and I hear somebody in the room there's a little background sound and I, I heard somebody in the room once here while I was here a background sound which I in I noticed it but it doesn't bother me just like you know my breath doesn't bother me you know my body doesn't bother me I feel the gurgling and the sound whatever it is you know I'm not trying to switch the, the knobs you know switch off and I remember this person saying, you know, at some point the sound went off. And we'd been in, in, in meditation for quite some time and this person, oh, the noise is gone. And it really kind of showed to me, showed me that people are still very much in, wanting to control their, push their meditation mat. You know, you're there with the mind is going out there, you know, I wish, you know, I will, they will turn the sound down. Nobody will make any noise. I will stop breathing. I will stop thinking. I will stop feeling. And everything will be okay. Once I shut down everything, then I can really start meditating. This is where a lot of the time we do. So don't be so stupid. (laughs) To think that you have to stop desire, to reinvestigate desire, to stop life, to investigate life. And to stop being who you are, to start being who you are. You know, that's, We go into this kind of really funny mood, but we, we're not even humorous about it. A lot of the time we get very serious, you know. So, I leave you on this. May you be filled with compassion for yourselves, for other people, and for all the uh, little monsters that are totally uncompassionate and completely bent on making you miserable. You have lots of compassion for those because they're just blind if they if they knew any better they would be uh, you know much more keen to make you happy but sometimes they make you happy too so watch out for those <laughs> so.